helpful and uh, we can all thank him once he gets here and does that. But uh, let's let's go into prayer. Um, Jesus, we thank you that you know our hearts and you know our needs. You know where we rejoice and where we are thankful and grateful for all that you have done for us, for what we recognize, but what you are going to reveal to us of how you never left us. You didn't turn your back on us. You made a way. You had a plan. Father, we pray for those that are in desperate need with their health. We pray for those that have gone through devastation, whether of a house fire or losing a loved one. We pray for those that are just struggling just to dare to believe that you are real, that you have a plan, that you are in control. And Jesus, there are those of us that struggle to give up our own control, to submit, to follow you. So here we are on this day, this morning, saying, God, if you're out there, we desperately need you. When we choose to believe that you have given us your son to be our sacrifice, you have given us your spirit to be our comforter, to be our counselor, to be the guide for us. So Jesus, we choose on this day to follow you, to love you, to share you with others, and may others know of your love for them. So Jesus, we thank you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. I was reminded last week, I shared it in the earlier service, but not um, at our in-person, that uh, tears are a um, uh, language that Jesus understands. So I got my slides out of order, out of order, but tears are a language that God understands. So my dad shared this with me. We've had different instances where you feel overwhelmed. I was just thinking of uh, Hannah from the sermon last week, how she is filled with great anguish and sorrow, but God saw her tears. He heard her tears. And part of being a pastor uh, in the community, people uh, know us and we get to know people. And I have the opportunity to uh, take part in two memorial services uh, coming up, a celebration of life. Some of you might know Ed Brown or his wife, Deb. Deb is back from Florida. Uh, Ed passed away, and uh, his celebration of life is June 25th. So it seems like a way off, but in meeting with Deb and discussing, we were wondering what's the best way to share, share and show Jesus, to share the story that Ed became a follower of Jesus. When he was here, he had great faith, but sometimes that faith didn't always correlate in Jesus. But he met with a chaplain in the hospital who led him through the sinner's prayer. Not that you have to go through a set way to pray, but we have great hope in this that Ed is in heaven. And Deb and Ed's daughter certainly need the comfort that only God can give. Wayne Laffley, who I spoke of a few weeks ago, he passed away after two years battling colon cancer. And uh, he was pretty well known within basketball circles in the small state of Vermont. But I was just asked to take part in his memorial service that's taking place at St. Michael's College Gymnasium because they expect so many people because Wayne had an impact on people's lives. So I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm honored. But I'm a little bit scared because Wayne believed if you believed in something, then you could go uh, to to heaven. And so speaking with his wife, his widow, yesterday, we had a good discussion, which I was very encouraged by uh, what she shared with me following. But I shared with her that 
as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus, I feel as though during this time I need to share the hope that we have in Jesus, the good news that we are not alone. And she said, thank you. I think that would be nice. And so just pray for me. Pray for us as we desire to share the good news of Jesus with others. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to uh, go to Bible school, get a degree, a certificate, attend church, certain amount of time. You can be used by God wherever you are, even with your confusion saying, well, God, I don't even know uh, how to do it. God will lead you and just use your own life experiences to share that truth that we have. And so as I was thinking on this day, how to share, what to share, I was reminded of by faith, We not only believe, but we also live and move forward by faith. Now, I was reminded by my daughter. She does a tremendous job reminding me, and I'm very grateful for her. her. But she mentioned a few days ago, Dad, what are you preaching on? I said, by faith, Hebrews 11. She's like, oh, well, at the beginning of May, didn't you say we're going to do a series in Acts, like the memory verse, Acts 1-8? And I was like, oh, yeah, but I kind of want to preach by faith. And she's like, well, you can always say, she said this as a joke, don't. Uh, condemn my daughter. She said, well, you can always say, well, God told me to change the series. I was like, well, he didn't tell me this time. And so um, I didn't want to over-spiritualize or make it sound. I just kind of uh, left that thought of the series in Acts and just thought by faith, because how can we move forward sometimes when we question, is God even real? How can we question, how can we move forward sometimes when we're just stuck in a rut, when we see so much chaos taking place I've mentioned it several times over the last couple of months about C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Lion of the Witch in the Wardrobe and that whole Chronicles of Narnia. And he said, I tried not to believe that there was a God because there's so much chaos and tragedy and evil in the world. But then because there's so much chaos, tragedy and evil in the world, I couldn't help but believe that there has to be a God to bring some sort of healing and redemption and salvation to us. And so this is the message that we give to others. By faith, we choose to go after Jesus. In the New Living Translation, it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see in the King James Version. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. From the English Standard Version, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. When we look at the word hope in the context that is used here, it's not what if, maybe, rabbit's foot, good luck charm, I hope so. This word hope is the assurance that we have that God loves us and he cares for us and he has a plan for our life. In the NIV, it's now faith is a confidence in what we hope for, an assurance about what we do not see. This is where we put our trust. This is why we obey Jesus. This is how you can move forward after a death, a divorce, a tragedy has taken place in your life. You can move forward because God is the reality. He's the substance. He's the assurance. He is our confidence where we can take that next step forward. Well, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. It's not present your request to your best friend, present your request to the pastor, present your request to the bigger gossiper than you, because they gossip more than you. So you aren't gossiping, you're just sharing a story. It's not present your request to them, it's present your request to God. 
And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The reality that we are living by faith is a reality. It's very true that you don't know the next step. You know what the Bible says. You know what other Christians have experienced. You know what you're supposed to believe, but we are living by faith that the next step, God has a plan. God's going to open the door. God's going to make a way. God's going to restore. God's going to bring together. God is going to make it happen. We just trust and hope, but not, oh, if I do the right things, if I go to the right seminars, if I build the right team, it's more, oh, if I just put all of my faith Faith, all of my energy, all of my love, all of who I am, love God with everything you are, everything you hope to be, your strength, your mind, your soul, then he will make a way. That is what we have from the New Living Translation. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. It does not make sense. Why, after losing a loved one, why, after experiencing bankruptcy, why, after, do you have this sense of peace? You know that you are surrounded by God's arms of love, that you can take that next step forward. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus, because, as it's been said, not in the Bible, this isn't a quote from the Bible, but an idle mind is the devil's playground. And God will protect your heart and your mind so it's guarded by his truth and his peace. Do not be anxious. Do not worry because the peace of God transcends. It exceeds anything, everything. You cannot figure it out. You will not be able to figure it out. You cannot quote enough scripture to figure it out. You can have a head knowledge, but you need to take that next step of faith saying, by faith, God, I choose to follow and obey you. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. I've used this scripture several times. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. It's only by God's sacrifice of his son that grace he's extended to us for salvation, but we have to walk by faith to believe it, to obey. The old children's song, or maybe we sang it as adults, I don't remember, but trust and obey for there's no other way. Trust, but obey. What? And this is, I probably shouldn't use it. It came into my head, but some politician that said, trust, but verify. Like, is it, it's kind of like, well, we trust, but we need to be diligent. Well, we need to trust God, but we need to obey. Like, I trust God to help me with whatever addiction you want to put out there, but just say it's alcohol. I trust God to help me with my addiction, but I'm going to go to the bar and hang out with my friends because I trust God he's going to help me, but I'm going to put myself in a place that is unwise. That is not what it's referring to. It's referring we trust God, so we try to get as close to God as possible. When I was a youth pastor, the question always was, how far is too far? Like it was always in a dating relationship, physically, like sexually, kids, well, how far is too far? And we had a friend that said, nobody ever asks, how close to Jesus can I get until I blow up? 
It's always how close can I get to sin and still be okay? How far is too far? We're asking the wrong questions. We need to ask how close can I get to Jesus? That living by faith, it just comes natural. It's an automatic response. It's an automatic reflex to what God has done in our hearts. It's only the size of a mustard seed. If you had faith the size as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. We're talking about faith in Jesus. He is the way. He's our power. He's justice. He is life. This is what we put faith in. Speaking this week with a buddy of mine who is all into cryptocurrency, I don't know much about it. Probably if I had money, I would have thought like it was a good investment because he had $50,000 in cryptocurrency, which he lost in three days. Now, I don't know how much he invested, but his investment turned out to be on the financial report, that, which is weird. He had to pay taxes on last year, $50,000 in cryptocurrency that he lost in three days. He's like, Jeff, I'm kind of resigned to the fact like it was just kind of out there. It was not in my bank account. I did not have it in hand. I did not take loans out with it, but he had a few friends that did that one had to tell his wife, you never knew, but I mortgaged my house by taking out a loan against this crypto and we're going to lose it. He said, I have another friend that just uh, took his own life because he had thousands and thousands of dollars that he lost in three days. Now you can say, well, that's why I don't buy crypto. Well, this is not the point of this story. Are we concerned about what do we put faith in? Yeah, I have faith. I have faith in a higher power. I'm spiritual. I believe that there's something out there. Or do we have faith in Jesus? He is the way, the truth, and the life. We judge ourselves, as I mentioned last week, by our intention. We judge others by their action. But sometimes we need to judge by the direction we are going. Quickly, if I intend to uh, eat right, it cannot be like, yeah, but since we have candy in the pantry, I'm going to eat up all the candy tonight so I take away the temptation from tomorrow. So I intend to do the right thing, but tonight, you know, I'm just going to be happy and get that sugar rush. Now, I will say a dentist not Arlene, but another dentist said that if you do get Halloween candy, like eat it as quick as you can. Don't let it linger. It's like, oh, well, the, hey, see? So, hey, it's if you get candy, eat it all at once. See, I have witnesses. But we judge others by, no, what are you doing? You said you wanted to get uh, healthier, and all you did was just binge on that candy. But ourselves, we have good intentions, so we don't. When God's telling us the direction, are you part of the way. John 14, 6 said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus speaking. People much smarter than me pointed out, this is sequential. This is uh, strategic. This is Jesus saying, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. It's strategic. It's sequential. It's supposed to build on way, truth, life. But how many of us have jumped to? How many people jumped to? I want the abundant life that God promises. I want the freedom to do whatever I want, which the Bible promises. Instead of saying, I am dedicated and committed to walking the way that God has for me. Of course, nobody at this church, no one part of this congregation is so, can I say hell-bent? 
on just speaking the truth. You need to know the truth. This is the truth. You can only experience the truth after you've found out the way of Jesus is filled with grace and mercy and forgiveness. And then when you explain the truth to others, it's compelling. It's not pushing away and saying you need to change before you come here, but it's saying that you are welcome here. And as you experience Jesus, then you get to know him. Follow the way, experience the truth, live the life. This is what God is calling us as Christians to, that we would share this with others, that we follow him, that we experience the truth, and that we live the life. We don't want to jump to, hey, I have the abundant life of God. We need to say, no, I'm dedicated, I'm committed because of the sacrifice of Jesus to his way. And as I experience his truth, I realign my life, not to my agenda, what I want, but to his life and in him I find abundant life. So we go back to Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Faith shows reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. They were people of character. They had a credibility. It was not, hey, one time they did a good thing, so eh, maybe they made it to heaven. It was their life was dedicated to the truth because they followed the way of Jesus. They had that reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So this is the faith chapter, and there's many different stories, and I just thought this might be appropriate. Now, somebody used this passage of Scripture just before they resigned as pastor. I am not resigning as pastor. So if you're like, why? I am not resigning as pastor. This just really stood out to me as I was preparing this week. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Is God calling you out of your comfort zone to go somewhere that you're not familiar? Maybe it is physically, literally moving. Maybe it's leaving a job. Maybe it's leaving a relationship. Maybe it's leaving a people group or a friend group. Maybe it's saying, man, they are not helping me follow the way of Jesus. They are pulling me against the truth of God. What is God leading you Two, he went without knowing where he was going, but he knew he was obeying Jesus. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. We have people, hopefully, that are witnesses that we can go to. It's like, when you follow Jesus and you went there, what were you thinking? And I find out more than not, people are like, I had no idea. It just seemed like God opened the door and everything worked out, so I went. And when I was there, it was not like there was this great bright light or this voice of heaven saying, you are doing the right thing. But it was each morning when I opened the Bible, each afternoon when I had a conversation, each evening when I uh, conversed with my wife, each time that I prayed that it just seemed like I was doing what God wanted me to do. Sometimes we want to run a marathon and God is just saying, take a step. Take a step. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. 
Abraham was not looking at, God, where did you just lead me? He was looking at fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. I don't know what you're doing, God. It does not make sense to me, but for the sake of heaven, for the sake of salvation, I'm going to take that next step. My focus is on the eternal destiny that you have for me, not just getting to heaven, but to live a life now that can have a great impact on others. It was by faith that even Sarah, his wife, was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people like that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. What if, perhaps, Jesus is saying, don't despise small beginnings. That's in the Bible somewhere. Don't despise small beginnings. I have a plan for your life. I have a plan for your family. I have a plan for this church. You might think, hey, we've met in a middle school for X amount of years. Hey, we haven't even broke 100 people. Hey, where did everybody go? Hey, and God is saying, I have a plan for you. What if everyone here, God opened the door for you to lead someone to the Lord next year? What if? So we would double. Well, what if God used us every year to lead someone to the Lord and those that we led to the Lord, they actually loved other people and made disciples. And then we doubled, then you multiplied. And then you multiplied because you love God and you discipled others. You love God, you discipled others. And so it wasn't just, I need to grow, but I need somebody else that as I'm growing, I'm learning from and I'm investing in, and then we can grow together. And then the kingdom of God is made of many different people, too many to count because Abraham and Sarah allow God to use them. What if God would say, you, no one, I like how I have to go back. Um, here it is. You're as good as dead. I mean, nobody here, you could say, well, God used me. I'm as good as dead. But sometimes you feel like I'm retired. I'm busy. I have my own children. I have... God still wants to use us. He has a plan for our lives. He wants us to follow him. It's not, well, when I get retired or when my investments come back up, or it's not your intention. It's not even your one-time action. It's the direction of, are you following Jesus the way? Knowing that he has a great plan for your life. All these people died. They all died, will die. Still believing what God had promised them. They went to their deathbed and into eternity, knowing and believing that God was for them. He has saved them, and they had great hope to share with others because of him. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. Hebrews 12.1 says, We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. These people. We are surrounded by them that they did not get to experience it tangibly themselves, but they can see, I don't know how heaven works, but they can see God moving even now that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we can continue to invest in others. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. So as we close, 
I don't really know many people that want to be a nomad or a foreigner or let me just say a hermit. Um, I'm re was reminded of a book, Stranger in the Woods. Uh, Mike Finkel wrote about it. It's about Chris Knight. It took place in uh, Central Maine. This guy, 20 years old, maybe he was 21, he just got tired of life. And so he drove until his car wouldn't go anymore, just outside of Moosehead Lake in Maine. He shut off his car threw the key, left the key in the car, then he went into the woods for 27 years. In the woods of Maine, this is all documented. It's not just in the book, but there's uh, the court reports and the police reports too. In 27 years, and from 20 to 20, or from 20 years old to 47, he spoke to one person one time by saying hi, because they were hiking. He never, in Maine, never built a fire during the winter or any time in 27 years in Maine. He was a hermit. He was a nomad. He was a foreigner. Now, that story could take us down a whole other rabbit trail. I find it fascinating. The book was incredible. God is not telling us to be a hermit, but God is saying that you will find yourself in a place where you Feel as though you do not belong, that you are out of place. But wherever there are people, we are to love our neighbors. We are to share with them the goodness of God. Whether you feel like, hey, I took a wrong turn in Albuquerque, or whatever you think took place, God is saying, I want to use you where you are, especially when you feel out of place. Finally, I went to a National Day of Prayer event. This was a couple weeks ago. And, uh, well, I have to be careful what I say, so I'll just say this. There were those that said, I do not feel comfortable here in the state I grew up in. Getting super spiritual and reading this verse, maybe that's a good thing. Well, it's not how I grew up. It's not what I'm used to. Well, maybe that was God's plan all along. And instead of us moving from where we live to somewhere else, God just brought us into a place where we are foreigners and nomads here on earth, displaying the love of Jesus, because those that are accustomed to rallies against them, we can just say, we are here for you because God is for us. So the next time you say, well, this isn't the Vermont I grew up in, or this isn't the New England I'm used to, Remember this verse, maybe this is just where God wants you to be, where we can be his witnesses by faith. Won't you stand as we uh, just dismiss? Jesus, we thank you that you love us. And Father, we thank you for your truth. So as these lyrics are so familiar, may we just make them the lifestyle we live following you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.